Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading our podcast. It's a radio show. We turn it into a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We appreciate you joining us. Please do rate, review, subscribe. And if you do, send me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com and I will get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. I promise you I'll do it. And we're brought to you by betnow.eu. Use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus. It helps us out a lot. It keeps us going in a positive direction. So we're placing our Big 12 bets there. I hope you do as well. Enjoy it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody say. And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes down, stars come out. They just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone, it's a touchdown! Oh, mother! So we are now one-third of the way through the college football season. I I do not know where the time is going. I really don't. I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. And as we look at the Big 12 Conference, there's a couple of things that stand out right now. First off, I think Oklahoma is still really good. This team can play in the college football playoff, but I'm no longer as convinced that they are just going to waltz through this thing and through this conference without any hiccups. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We appreciate you, whether it's through the radio show, the podcast, YouTube, the website, anywhere. Thanks for joining us. We're your independent Big 12 digital media outlet, and be sure to go check us out. So, When you look at OU right now, it's not just the fact that they barely got by Army, a team they were favored by 33 points against. And you can say that it's a younger defense facing a triple option offense. Nobody sees that type of an offense. I understand that. I can appreciate that. I can absolutely respect that. And I do think that's a big part of it. But when you compare what OU has done the last couple of weeks, where the defense has looked like the Mike Stoops defense of old, it has not looked like the defense of the first couple of weeks. It just hasn't. I'm sorry. I had a lot of hopes for this side of the ball after FAU and UCLA. High, high hopes. But the last two weeks have been a bit of a step back against Iowa State and then also against Army this past weekend where Army racked up 340 rushing yards. It's a ridiculously unbelievable number. So, You look at that side of the ball, and then you also are that side of the coin, and then you look at the rest of the conference right now. And I'm looking at the rest of the conference, and I'm seeing teams improve, and I'm seeing the possibility of teams being able to give OU some trouble. Most notably right now is West Virginia, 
which I don't think anybody can doubt. This team, this offense is firing on cylinders. The defense has nice speed to it, has nice ability to it. You have to like what they're doing on that side of the ball. And then you look at the Texas Longhorns, and I did not think I was going to say this as of just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not overreacting here. I think what happened and what is happening for Texas is the same thing that happened last year, but potentially in a different way. You know, they had these now two top 25 wins over USC and TCU. And maybe it just turns out that USC and TCU are ranked teams who should not have been ranked. I still think TCU is really good. They made some mistakes in that game last week, and Sean Robinson has got to cut down on the errors and the mistakes. He has to. No doubt about it. He's just He's got to pull back on those things. But you also look at this and say to yourself, well, this team's getting a little bit tougher. It's getting better. The offensive line is getting stronger, tougher, and better, most notably. And that's allowing Sam Ellinger to go out there and make a couple plays. Guy's a true sophomore, highly recruited out of the Austin area, and he's finally starting to look like a real Big 12 quarterback. And maybe that's been because – the offensive line has been such a disaster during his time there in Austin. Herb Hand, a big hire in the offseason, former Auburn offensive line coach, coming to Austin, co-offensive coordinator, and he's making his presence felt, especially when it comes to what's happening on the offensive line. That's where he was really supposed to come in and make his presence felt, especially right away, and he's doing that, and that's a good thing. That's a very, very good thing for Tom Herman in this program. They desperately need it. So you like what's going on there for the Texas Longhorns. And defensively, Todd Orlando, after a disastrous week one against Maryland, once again, the defense is coming on strong. It's looking like one of the best defenses in the Big 12, if not the best. And that's a recipe for winning the 8, 9, 10 games. A lot of us thought Texas was capable of winning. I thought it was more on the lower end of that number. I still do. But... Texas is dangerously turning into the type of team that when it's playing well and when it's having a good day, it can beat anybody in the Big 12 Conference. And that's scary for a team like Oklahoma. That's scary for a team like West Virginia. And what makes it even worse is the fact that Texas lost to Maryland. Maryland has since had a couple of horrible losses, losing to Temple. Temple lost to Villanova, an FCS team in Week 1. And I pointed this out time and time again, and people are getting on me about this, whether it's through the podcast, through the website, heartlandcollegesports.com, or through YouTube, whatever it might be. You're all mocking me and saying, well, you know, who, who, who are you to say that Tom Herman had a bad loss? I can't believe you'd hold that against him. This team looks great. Well, it's the full body of work. It's all about the full body of work. And you look at what happened there with Tom Herman in what week one game, a second straight year. It's horrible. It is absolutely horrible that Texas is sitting there and has one loss. They should be undefeated, and they frankly should be ranked in the top 10 right now, which they would be. Texas would be in the top 10 if they didn't lose to Maryland because guess what would happen? They started off the season in the top 25, right? They would have beat Maryland. They would have beat Tulsa. Even if the Tulsa loss was close, no one would have thought twice about it. Then they would have beaten USC, ranked team. They would have beaten TCU. All right, maybe not top 10, but Texas certainly would have been maybe 11, 12, 13. 
they would have been right in the discussion, which is why you can't say throw out the Maryland loss. No, it's part of their record. And Tom Herman's got a bad ability to play up and down to competition. He did it at Houston. He's now doing it at Texas. I believe I saw this number that Tom Herman as an underdog against the spread as a head coach is like 11-1, and one, the one loss being last year to TCU. He takes care of business as a dog. But, geez, he's got to do better when he's a two-touchdown favorite against Maryland in a sterile environment like FedEx Field. He's got to do better than that. So I look at West Virginia and I look at Texas and I say these are two teams that are legit, that are improving, and that certainly can give Oklahoma some serious trouble, some big-time trouble here over the coming weeks. You know, Texas in a couple of weeks, or I guess next week, geez, that came fast. And then you have West Virginia against OU at the end of the season. Now, for the rest of the Big 12, uh, one thing I, I notice every time TCU plays a major blue blood, whether it's a team like Texas last week or an Oklahoma twice last season or an Ohio State a couple weeks back, they always look small. And I know sometimes, you know, and TCU does this, Horn Frogs recruit speed. They do a really good job at getting in fast players. Ohio State said that the defensive line speed from TCU is uh, some of the best speed they've seen from any team in the country, and that's, that's fair, that's true, that's accurate. But sometimes I see TCU on a field, and I know they recruit really well. You know, this whole idea that TCU is a group of rejects from Texas or whatever it was that CBS Sports used as a headline uh, last week is a pathetic joke. But it just doesn't look, when TCU gets on the field, against a power opponent, a traditional powerhouse. They just always look smaller, and I don't know what to make of that. Maybe there's nothing to make of it, but it's something that I've noticed over the past couple of weeks. And don't get me wrong, I know they won four straight over Texas. It's not all about size. It's not. But sometimes I do think that that gets taken advantage of against TCU. The fact that they don't have those horses, those legit horses, on both sides of the ball at various positions. Now, when it comes to a team that's just not having a very good week in the Big 12 Conference at all, you know what that would be? That'd be the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Worse than K-State, worse than TCU. Oklahoma State gets embarrassed at home by Texas Tech, shut out in, in the second half. Uh, it was a horrible night in Stillwater. It really was. At least TCU was on the road. At least K-State was on the road, although I'll get to the Wildcats here in a little bit. They are a mess. But Oklahoma State gets crushed by Texas Tech. Cliff Kingsbury suddenly has life once again. And you look at the Oklahoma State program, which, by the way, also lost Jalen McCleskey this week. He is transferring out. And you say to yourself, geez, Oklahoma State coming off that huge win over Boise State, launching themselves into the top 25, all that goodwill gone in a single night against Texas Tech after getting carved up by Alan Bowman not using Justice Hill enough. What did he have, 12 carries in that game? That's embarrassing. Guy should have been touching the ball a heck of a lot more, especially since Taylor Cornelius was struggling at times. And now you're hearing Oklahoma State fans say, give us Spencer Sanders. Give me Drew Brown. Let me see what these guys have. When last week the comparisons were being made between Taylor Cornelius and Ben Roethlisberger and Colin Klein. It, it's pumped the brakes here a little bit. It goes to show you, we all overreact a little bit sometimes, don't we? It's just, it is human nature. 
But Oklahoma State has had by far the worst week in this conference. They have a chance to turn it around. They likely will turn it around against Kansas, who came crashing back down to earth last week. Sorry, KU. You know, the amount of KU fans that were talking smack last week, geez, relax, fellas. You beat Rutgers in Central Michigan. Doesn't mean you're Big 12 champs. My bets were horrible last week, but the one that I hammered and won, Baylor giving up seven and a half points against Kansas. I felt incredible about that bet. I'm glad. I'm really glad that I made it. So I've not touched on the disaster that is Kansas State yet. I'll get to that and much more coming up right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So was Bill Snyder officially in Bobby Bowden territory? Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Hope your day is going well as we get ready for another week of college football, of Big 12 football. That's, of course, our focus here, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So I got into Bill Snyder big time, or bigly, as some of us would say here, over the past bunch of days. That game last week against West Virginia was a disaster. It was an absolute mess. Horrible game for the Wildcats in that 35-6 loss. Defense was, actually it was okay, but then there was horrible coaching. The offense was pathetic, and Bill Snyder, after the game, had one of the most bizarre press conferences you could possibly have when he said, if my guys can't get six inches, I can't coach them. Was that the line? Oh, no. I can't coach a team that can't get six inches on a play. It made zero sense because he's the head coach. What do you mean you can't coach a team that can't get six inches on a play? Whose fault is it, Bill Snyder, if this team can't get six inches on a play? It's yours. You're the head coach. To me, that statement was very telling. Very telling, because it made Bill Snyder seem detached from the program. And in a lot of ways, that's what it feels like. You know, I was at the K-State-Mississippi State game a couple weeks back, and after the game, you know, the local media guys there do a really good job. I thought at times they were a little soft, just, you know, every answer Bill Snyder said, I got to look at the tape. Uh, Coach, I get it, you got to look at the tape, but you got to give some better answers here. You can't just say, I got to look at the tape. And if that's all you can say, then, you know, frankly, it's, it's time. It's time to move on. But when he says something like, I can't coach a team that can't get six inches on a play, it doesn't make him seem like he's part of the team in many ways or that he's got a clue to what's going on here sometimes. And he may, and this may be overreaction, and K-State's 2-2. Two and two, They may get their 6-7 wins and status quo for the Wildcats, and everyone, I guess, is going to be okay with that. But you know, I, I know Kansas State is scared of going back to the old days, the pre-Bill Snyder era. The Ron Prince experiment didn't work. They had to bring Snyder back. I mean, all you know is Bill Snyder. And I don't mean this in a negative way. But it's kind of like being in an abusive relationship where you get sucked back in and you're afraid of what it's like to not be in the relationship with that person. So you stay with them regardless of whether or not it's what's best for you in your future. And I think that's where we are in many ways with Bill Snyder's uh, tenure at Kansas State. 
I mean, you're not going to take away the amazing things this man has done for this university. But for a guy that preaches self, you know, personal responsibility and, you know, putting teammates first and one for all, all for one, to make a ludicrous comment like that after the game last week, I can't coach a team that can't get six inches on a play, that made him look horrible. And I think it's fair to say Kansas State has a coaching problem. Now, I know Sean Snyder is basically the associate head coach. I get it. But look at the coordinators. Andre Coleman replaced Dana Dimmel. And then Blake Seiler is the new defensive coordinator. He took over for the retired Tom Hayes. Do you think Andre Coleman or more likely Blake Seiler could ever get a coordinator position at a major Power 5 school this past offseason? Would either of them have gotten that offer? No. Probably would have had to go to the group of five to get a sniff at a coordinator job. But Bill Snyder had to promote from within. Now, I think it's great. I like when companies promote from within. I think that's oftentimes well-deserved when, whether it's a coaching staff or your corporation or my corporation, I think that's good. Make people in the building feel like they are being taken care of. But I think with K-State, there's something else going on here. When it comes to K-State, they can't hire somebody from the outside, at least not anybody that's a rising star or a potentially big-time coordinator. They can't do it because who's going to take that job when the head coach is going year to year? And the head coach just decides, you know, wakes up one day in January and is like, you know what, I'll do this for another year. What kind of job security is that? Who is going to take that job? And I think Kansas State, you know, has the potential – to be a really good job for a coordinator. I mean, Big 12 always historically has a good defense, pretty unique offense, uh, but you can't put your livelihood on the line for a guy that might decide in three, four months that, you know, this is it, and then there becomes a power struggle over who the next head coach is, he brings in his guys. Uh, there's no point in touching that. So K-State has to promote from within, and that can sometimes mean that you don't have the best people for the job. And maybe Andre Coleman and Blake Seiler will end up being great coordinators. And it's not just a coaching issue, but yeah, there are deficiencies in certain positions of talent. But I think the coaching issue is certainly something that has to be uh, looked at and discussed. Tom Hayes and Dana Dimmel, veteran guys, and they were basically their own coaches on each side of the ball. Andre Coleman and Blake Seiler are both in their first rodeo doing this at this level with this kind of importance on their position. Totally different. You could get away with Bill Snyder being a bit detached with Dana Dimmel and Tom Hayes. You can't with Andre Coleman and Blake Seiler. You can't do it. And I think that's created quite a bit of issues for the Kansas State Wildcats. I really do. Also of note, uh, Texas Tech, great win absolutely fantastic win last week over um why am i <laughs> last week over oklahoma state we talked about some of the issues for oklahoma state right but it's interesting and i wrote about this on heartlandcollegesports.com texas tech has been three and one in fact they've been three and one each of the past three seasons now this season feels a little bit different because the wins over houston and on the road against oklahoma state are better than any of the wins that they had early in the season the last three years. 
Last year, Tech was 3-0 before a home loss to Oklahoma State put them at 3-1. The big win last season at 3-0 was Kansas, which was nothing. 2016, they were 3-1, but the wins were against Stephen F. Austin, Louisiana Tech, and Kansas. The loss was at Arizona State. In 15, they had a solid non-conference win over Arkansas to improve to 3-0, but then they lost five games in uh, seven tries. So this by far, these two wins over Houston and Oklahoma State, the most impressive of any early season stretch that Texas Tech has had under Cliff Kingsbury. So that's something that should be noted and should be valued. But I am nervous that this is just another hot start that will fizzle away. I hope I'm wrong. I love what Alan Bowman is doing. As a true freshman, a step in there and really take control of this team and and appear to be a not just a solid quarterback, but a solid leader on this team. I mean, jeez, you've got to be impressed. And Jay Sean Johnson back in the secondary for Tech last week, clearly making a difference against Oklahoma State. You like everything what you're seeing there now for Texas Tech. They just got to keep it going. You got West Virginia this weekend. My gosh, if they pull that thing off, could you imagine? Lubbock is going to go bonkers. Then it's TCU, who looks more vulnerable than they have in recent seasons. And then from there, you go home against Kansas and at Iowa State. So a fascinating four-game stretch here coming up for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. It's going to be very, very interesting to follow. Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Well, coming up, let's get to our previews of the week. We'll touch on them all next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, how about this? We're getting ready for week five of the Big 12 season. I just I can't believe we're a third of the way through already. I really can't. And we look at the five Big 12 games this weekend. It's a pretty darn good slate. It is. I really like what's happening this weekend. Underratedly good. You know, there's not that primetime game that the entire country is going to focus on. But for the Big 12 fan, it's a really good weekend. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. So uh, let's look at this. First off, suddenly you have a top 25 matchup at 11 a.m. this Saturday between West Virginia and Texas Tech. Who saw this one? As a top 25 game, did you? You don't have to lie about it. You don't have to. I mean, you didn't see it. I didn't see it. None of us saw it, okay? None of us did. But you have number 12, West Virginia, against 25th-ranked Texas Tech. It's an ESPN2 game. And that's the game of the weekend in the conference. So if you got something to do, you got errands to run on Saturday, uh, you got to appease the family, whatever it might be, do it after 2.30 Central time, okay? And then try to be home by 6 Central time if you can Try to do yourself that much, at least, because that West Virginia-Texas Tech game, I think the Mountaineers take it fairly, relatively easily by 7 to 10 points. I like a 10-point win. I like something like uh, 41 to 31. I don't know. Something in that range is what I'm feeling because I think the Mountaineers' offense is just too much for most secondaries in America, never mind the, uh, the Red Raiders, who – they looked better last week. Don't get me wrong. They looked a lot better last week. There's no doubt about it. Deshaun Johnson is back. The team looks improved. They look stabilized in the back end. How much of that, though, was because of what was happening with Kansas State and how horrible they appear to be on the offensive side of the ball, especially passing it. 
I don't know the answer, but I do sure know that I, this Mountaineer passing attack with Will Greer and the weapons that they have at wide receiver far exceeds anything that is going on with Texas Tech in the secondary, or Kansas State, I should say, uh, on that side of the ball. So I like the Mountaineers to pick up a win, but I do think it's going to be a very interesting game because West Virginia is on the road, friendly confines of Lubbock for the Red Raiders, always a tough place to go out and play. I know it doesn't rock like it did during the Mike Leach era, and it's an early kick. I understand all that, but I still think it's going to be a really good atmosphere on Saturday because Tech fans, you know, Look at the basketball team last year. When their teams are good, it's a difficult place to play. The fan base gets revved up, and they get into it. And I expect that to be the case on Saturday as much as an 11 a.m. game can be revved up and ready to rock. But it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere, and I'm looking forward to that. And Alan Bowman, watch out for the true freshman. He's on the cusp of being a national storyline, and if he wins this game this weekend, he will be. Oklahoma State needs a feel-good win on the road against Kansas. That's the other early start, and it's something that, you know, Taylor Cornelius is going to be the guy. Cowboys are going to win by four touchdowns, and you're not really going to be able to learn anything out of this game. The interesting part for David Beatty is if he wants any chance to keep his job, sure, he's going to win a couple of Big 12 games, but he also can't get blown out in embarrassing fashion like last year where it seemed like every game was 30, 40, 50 points. That game against TCU sticks out in my mind where they had, like, what, 22 total yards of offense and lost 45 nothing. Those games have to come to an end. So Kansas has to at least appear like it's becoming more competitive for David Beatty to have a shot at trying to keep this job. It just it has to be that way for this team to try to take that next step under his watch. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not convinced it's going to happen. But it's something to keep an eye on as a storyline in this game heading into Saturday. The uh, 2.30 kickoff central time, of course. Baylor at Oklahoma, Kansas State hosting Texas. Now, I thought before the season this Baylor-Oklahoma game could be a trap game for the Sooners because of what's to come, which is Texas next weekend. But after how this team played against Army and having to win that game in overtime, the idea that now somehow OU is going to overlook Baylor this week, no shot. I mean, you know you know, Lincoln Riley was riding those guys throughout the entire week of practice. There's no way no chance that they are not driven and they are not totally focused on the Baylor Bears come this Saturday in Norman for a 2.30 kickoff. And OU's got too much offense for that Baylor defense, which did look improved last week. But once again, it was against Kansas. The Baylor defense is a problem. It's an issue. And Baylor can score points. I'm glad that Charlie Brewer has settled into the starting spot and that Matt Rule has gone with one of these guys, either Brewer or McClendon. But now you got to see the defense continue to kind of pick up some of that slack because they had a great first half against Kansas last week. They had, I believe it was, they allowed zero rushing yards against a you know team that can run the ball. Puka Williams is a nice player. But now you're going to be facing in Trey Sermon, Kyler Murray, TJ Pledger, Marcellius Sutton, all these guys in the backfield. Totally different beast, completely different animal, and Baylor has its hands full. So uh, would have thought before the season maybe a trap game, but right now, eh, I think OU takes care of business by uh, at least a couple of scores. Texas at K-State. 
really interesting game for both teams. Texas is in a situation where it wants to keep that forward momentum going from the last couple of weeks. You got to do that. But just when you count Bill Snyder out, even though I spend time ripping Bill Snyder, and I believe well-deserved, every time you go to count out Bill Snyder, he proves otherwise. He just does. And now the word is that Alex Delton's going to be getting the start. So Alex Delton's going to be the guy at quarterback. It turned out, according to uh, Kellis Robinette with the Wichita Eagle, it turned out that Bill Snyder wanted Alex Delton before the season to be the starting quarterback. But Andre Coleman, his first-year offensive coordinator and other coaches, wanted to go with none other than Skylar Thompson. So Snyder did not want to overrule his first-year coordinator, so he let him roll with Skylar Thompson. But then last week, apparently, it was Snyder who went to the sidelines, didn't tell his coaches, went to Alex Delton, said, you're getting in this game, and you're playing. And the coaching staff, Skylar Thompson, everybody was caught off guard by this. So Delton's going to be the guy. Now, he's more suited to what Bill Snyder has traditionally done with the quarterback spot, which is be a run-first guy. So if that's the case and Texas has some trouble stopping the run, I'm not convinced they will, but if Delton throws things at them that maybe they haven't dealt with yet this season or haven't seen yet this season on tape from the Kansas State Wildcats, it could be interesting, especially with the game being in Manhattan. And Texas has that ability where they play down to competition. But I do like the Texas Longhorns in a score of something along the lines of 24 to 17. Texas on top of K-State. And you'll have a top 25 matchup, possibly a top 15 matchup next week between Texas and Oklahoma. And then you got Iowa State at TCU. You know, neither team is ranked, so some of that pizzazz is gone. I would have thought before the season this could have been a game where both teams end up ranked. It is not, unfortunately. But you think of last year. Of course, Iowa State, that um, last Saturday in October, I believe it was, beats top five ranked TCU in Ames. Goalposts come down, a wild scene up at Jack Tri Stadium. This year, these two teams are in very different spots. Once again, neither is ranked. They both lost two games so far this year. Uh, Iowa State's 1-2, and two, TCU's 2-2. Two and two. TCU's got some things to figure out. They have some serious issues to figure out with Sean Robinson. The third quarter of the past two weeks have been disasters against Texas and against Ohio State. And I like Robinson. I like the fact that he shrugs off problems. At the same time, he's been having too many problems. Way too many problems. TCU is a 10-point favorite in this game. It feels like too big of a number. It does. Iowa State's defense has looked really good. The offense has been still suspect at times, even in that win over Akron last week. So I think that TCU does take care of business in this game, but I think it's going to be a closer game than what Las Vegas thinks. So give me TCU by a final of 28 to 24 over Iowa State in Fort Worth on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch that one. So enjoy once again, guys, a great slate, a great weekend of games across the Big 12. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have the reaction for you on Sunday on our Facebook page, also on Twitter. Search us there, Heartland College Sports. And 
also on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel by once again searching Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo, owner of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place. Enjoy the games and check us out on heartlandcollegesports.com. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Thanks for joining us, guys, and please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Send me that screenshot to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll get you the free koozie in the mail. And betnow.eu, promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus, and we'll talk to you soon.